2: thing you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show.
1: And welcome to the art of the no deal. Yes. (laughs) In other words, welcome to the Trump administration. It is the first day of March. Can you believe it? Hello, everybody. Here we are, The Bill Press Show on this Friday, and you're very much part of it. And we appreciate the fact that uh, you join us this Friday to uh, find out what's going on and to tell us what you think about it all. Lots and lots of news, of course. Uh, Yes, uh, Donald Trump coming back from Vietnam, coming back from his second uh, wasted summit with uh, Kim Jong-un, which just proves that that one-on-one diplomacy, which Donald Trump says is the key to to getting anything done— is the key, in fact, to getting nothing done. Uh, And not only that, but while he was there, he gives Kim Jong-un a pass on the brutal torture of Otto Wambier, young American college student arrested uh, in North Korea. He gives him a pass just like he gave Mohammed bin Salman a pass on the brutal murder and dismemberment of Jamal Khashoggi. What does Donald Trump believe in, if anything? We got that, plus Michael Cohen back on the Hill yesterday for his third day in a row. A little leaks about what he might have talked about. And he stirred up so much interest that they're bringing him back on March 6th, which was the day that he was going to report to federal prison. He will be reporting to the House Intelligence Committee uh, instead. Uh, So all of that to talk about and a whole lot more. Get ready. To send your comments on all of the above, including, by the way, Donald Trump's sweetheart deal to get a security clearance for son-in-law, I mean, yeah, son-in-law, Jared Kushner. Uh, Your comments welcome on Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. But first, this is the Full Court Press. All
3: righty, just a couple of other stories making news. Just here we go, Bill. All right. I'm ready. Bye bye, Bryce. Oh, man. Bryce Harper Ooh. of the Washington Nationals is leaving town. Yesterday it Sell was out. reported that he has signed a new deal with our rivals, the Philadelphia Phillies. That he hurts is,
1: because they're so close. You they're know. so close. And when the Phillies play here, this oh. town turns red. I mean, every. Philly yeah.
3: fans come down. Oh, yeah. And they're going to come down in a big way this oh, next man. season, Whoa, don't you, you know, know it? Because they actually have a pretty good team. Uh, but listen to this contract that he got. Mm-hmm. 13 years. Yeah. $330 million. That is the largest deal in Major League Baseball history. Previously, Giancarlo Stanton's record deal uh, with the Marlins was 325 million. Rice gets 330 million. Now the fascinating part about this, and that's not, what he
1: wanted. He wanted a bigger contract. He wanted a bigger else. contract,
3: yeah. he wanted a longer contract. Right. This the, the thing that's so crazy about this is, you know, usually when you see these long contracts there are trade clauses and opt-outs and things like that so that you know, you sign a deal for 9 years at 4 years you could sort of reevaluate and see if you want to go somewhere else. There are no opt-outs no trade clauses. He is stuck there for 13 years for better or worse. So he better perform. He is what? 20 What are the
1: chances that he's going to last 13 years?
3: Um it's a very good question. I mean, look, uh Bryce Harper was the MVP in baseball a couple years ago. His last season was okay. Yeah. The season before yeah. that was also okay. Mm-hmm. So maybe right. he's on the maybe he's on the downward swing. Who knows? He's 26 years old. So When this contract is up, he's going to be almost 40. I'm not even sure if he's going to be able to play baseball. It's a real roll of the dice. Exactly. It's a total roll of the dice. It's a total roll of the dice. Anyway, we say goodbye to Bryce Harper here in Washington, D.C. By the way, uh, Joe Biden is in a little bit of hot water because he was giving a speech where he was talking about all the problems in Washington, and he referred to Mike Pence as, quote, a decent guy. Lots of people got mad about that. Obviously, then uh, Joe Biden had to come out and walk it back a little bit. Uh, He was just trying to talk about how there are some decent people in Washington besides Trump, but clearly, clearly uh, did not mean it. Yeah.
1: This is the Bill Press Show. Don't tell me there's no change in Washington for the second day in a row. The House of Representatives passing uh, good gun safety legislation, a very strong bill to close the so-called Charleston loophole in the background checks. Hello, everybody. Here we go. It's Friday, Friday, March 1, 2019. This is the Bill Press Show. Thanks so much for being part of the program. As we come to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, bringing you the news of the day with a great lineup of guests today and, of course, with all of you as you join us online on the radio and on television with the big stories of the day. Donald Trump home from the failed summit in North Korea. Uh, Not only did he fail to reach any agreement with uh, North North Korean leader Kim Jong-un, largely because he refuses to... uh, but any preparation and back of these summits. All he wants is a great big photo up so he can work his magic, one-on-one magic. Uh, it hasn't worked. It didn't work in Singapore. It didn't work here. It didn't work with Vladimir Putin. It didn't work with the U.S. Congress. There is no deal. that is more the art of the no deal than the art of the deal with Donald Trump. One big story, of course, we're following Michael Cohen back on the Hill again yesterday behind closed doors. New York Times And a stunning story this morning that, despite all of his denials, Donald Trump actually did force a security clearance. I have a little bit
3: of breaking news, Uh oh! uh -oh. In a video just
1: posted
4: online. I'm Jay Inslee, and I'm running for president because I'm the only candidate who will make defeating climate change our nation's number one priority. We can do this. Join our movement. This This is our moment. This is our moment. There he is, uh, There
1: he is. Uh, not unexpected, but um, uh, he is in for sure on the issue of climate change. Uh, he is one of the leaders in the country, he and former California Governor Jerry Brown, the two governors really, who made climate change their priority. Uh, Jay Inslee has shown you can do a lot on the state level. He wants to take that to the national level. Uh, well, I have told you before, uh, he is uh, Carol Press's candidate and has been from the very, very beginning. Oh, the way, uh, so, nobody will be happier today than uh, than Carol. Uh,
0: she wasn't
1: up when I left this morning, <laughs> but I hope she's up now <laughs> to find out the news. Jay Inslee is in, and he wants to make climate change the number one issue. I
3: just skimmed through his former member of Congress, yeah, yeah, governor of
1: Washington, very, this guy very is, good guy, very strong guy, he's, and good candidate.
3: He's walked the walk on climate change yeah. for yeah. decades. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just was skimming through his video which is about 90 seconds long and the entire thing is about climate change and not specifically just the issue of climate change but how it affects everything every aspect uh, of how we live our lives in this society and how if we don't fix climate change nothing else really matters
1: right so there you go big news of the day thank you Peter yes indeed Uh, well it's sort of like Every day, another Democratic candidate, and uh, there we go. Yeah, uh, let's start out a little bit, let's start out, um, so much to talk about, with um, the North Korean thing. Yeah, again, can't, can't emphasize enough, um, and you know, coming into the summit, and the first day of the summit, the first few hours anyhow of the summit, it was nothing but... Pure flattery. Donald Trump could not find enough good things to say about Kim Jong-un. Kim Jong-un couldn't find enough good things to say about Donald Trump. They both said what a huge success this was going to be. Uh, this was going to be historic. They were going to sign this agreement. Uh, North Korea was going to give, uh, destroy some of its nuclear weapon facilities and start destroying some of its nuclear weapons. In return for which the United States was going to lift the sanctions. And they were going to sign a mutual agreement that the Korean War was officially over. That's what everybody promised. They built up the expectations. It all fell apart, and there's finger-pointing as to who blamed whom. Uh, clearly, walking away—clearly, I would say and uh, that, first of all, it's good that they were talking, as we've said. Give Donald Tr- Trump credit for that. And no deal is better than a bad deal. You've got to admit that, that he's right to walk away from a bad deal. But the point that so many foreign policy experts have made is this summit should never have happened in the first place, should never have taken first in the first place without the months of preparation leading up to it that would assure that, in fact, a deal was going to be made and we knew what they were ready to give and they knew what we were ready to give and no more. And when you start, as David Sanger points out uh, in uh, uh, in an excellent piece in The New York Times this morning... When you start at the very top, without all these preliminary negotiations, when it falls apart, there ain't nowhere else to go. If the other guys are talking at this level and they're not quite together, then then the leaders can come in and say, well, wait a minute. Here's where we could compromise. Here's where we could come together and like save the day. But Donald Trump, again, insists that his, his personality is so awesome, right, so intoxicating, to use Michael Cohen's word, that just getting in his presence will make a deal. And guess what? Again, that, ha- that didn't prove true with Vladimir Putin. It didn't prove true in the first summit in Singapore. It hasn't worked in the United States Congress. Where's the deal on repealing Obamacare? Never did it. Where is the deal on Republicans giving him the money for the wall? Never happened. Donald Trump hasn't made. Where's the deal on the new NAFTA? Hasn't happened. I mean, they've said they're going to trash the old NAFTA, but the new NAFTA, so-called, it has never been approved, doesn't exist. So name me one deal that Donald Trump has made. Hasn't been one. Uh, that's the first part of the summit. Then the second part is that Donald Trump came out uh, uh, and a- absolutely floored Republicans and Democrats by giving Kim Jong Un a total pass on the brutal treatment of American college student Otto Warmbier. Now remember, he first of all he was on a tour of Vietnam. He was arrested the last I think it was five days in North North Korea rather. He was arrested on the last day, brutally tortured, uh, uh, suffered multiple injuries to his brain, trauma to his brain, was finally released in June 2017 by the North Koreans. uh, And Donald Trump pressured them to release him. He was released in just as like a vegetable, total almost brain, was brain dead, brought back, flown back to the United States and died six days later. And at the time, Donald Trump Condemn the brutal treatment of this man, and you know we're going to fight for the family, and we're going to we're going to demand some answers on this. That was last year, or 2017, June 2017. This year, this week, these last this last couple of days, and and in, uh, in Vietnam, at this meeting when the subject was raised at the news conference, Donald Trump just gives Kim Jong Un a pass, basically saying he told me. He didn't know anything about it, and I believe him. Here's that exchange that's a little long at the news, final news conference after the failed summit in Hanoi with Kim Jong-un.
2: Have you in Singapore or here confronted Kim Jong-un about Otto Warmbier's death? I have. Asked him to take responsibility. Have, yeah. What did he say to you? And why do you call him your friend?
4: I have, and I have, and I, we, I have talked about it, and I really don't think it was in his interest at all. I know the Warmbier family very well. I think they're an incredible family. (coughs) What happened is horrible. I really believe something very bad happened to them and I don't think that uh, the top leadership knew about it. I got the prisoners back, I got the hostages back, and Otto was one of the hostages, but Otto came back in a shape that was not even to be talked about. Uh, I find it, I thought it was horrible. Now the others came back extremely healthy but Otto came back in a condition that was uh, just yeah, just he was terrible, beaten up. Those prisons, prisons are rough. They're oh, rough oh, places, oh, that's it. and oh. bad things happened. But I really don't believe that he was uh, he, he. I don't believe he knew about it.
5: Did, did he say? Did he tell you that he did not? Uh, did Kim Jong Un tell he you? He felt badly him?
4: about it. Did I did t- speak to him. He, he felt very badly, but he knew the case very well. But he knew it later, and you know, you got a lot of people. Big country, a lot of people. <sighs> And in those prisons and those camps, you have a lot of people, and some really bad things happened to Otto. Some really, really bad things. Why, why are you? But he tells him? me he tells me that he didn't know about it, and I will take him at his word. And, yes. He tells me he didn't
1: know about it, and I will take him at his word. How cowardly can you get? And think about what he says there again. Can you imagine Barack Obama giving an answer like this? And how how they'd be all over him? Well, come on, it's a big country, you know, it's a big country, there are a lot of people and and you know in the prisons there are a lot of people and bad things happen in prisons, you know that at all all the time, and there are a lot of people in those prisons, you know, and uh and all the rest of the hostages came home healthy and uh but mostly leading up to he tells me he didn't know anything about it, and I take him at his word, which is exactly what he said about Mohammed bin Salman, who's saying, I didn't know anything about Jamal Khashoggi. After our intelligence agencies say, based on their intercepts, they know that it was MBS who ordered the killing of Khashoggi and who knew all about it and got calls from the consulate in, um, in Istanbul before it happened, while it was happening, and after the, the the deed was accomplished. This is the same guy who said, in front of the entire world, Vladimir Putin told me that he didn't interfere in the 2016 election, and I have no reason not to believe him. So there you go. I mean, Duterte from the Philippines, he praises him. What is it, as Sherrod Brown, the senator from Ohio, asked, what is it about Donald Trump's total belief in autocrats and brutal killers
4: sends a message to dictators and around the world that uh, the president of the united states with the values that we represent as a country that he believes autocrats when they when they lie or when they cover up or when they justify policies that that result in the deaths of innocent human beings
1: yeah boy those words are gonna haunt him and should haunt him forever he told me he didn't know anything about it and I take him at his word Why should—with all the thousands and thousands of people that have been killed at the direct orders of Kim Jong-un, including, of course, as we know, members of his own family, why should we take Kim Jong-un at his word for anything? Um, Donald Trump—you know, all i got to say is I'm glad Donald Trump wasn't around when um, Hitler or Stalin were in power.
3: Can you imagine— yeah. That's a terrifying thought I hadn't really thought about before, but my God.
1: Oh, well, Hitler tells me he had nothing to do with that. He didn't know anything about it. And yeah. I And I have no reason to doubt him. I take him at his word. Yeah. Yeah, I take him at his word. It's the same thing, right? Unbelievable. Um, well, the other thing that Donald Trump, uh, by the way, um, was caught on another, another lie, and that is, again, front page of the New York Times this morning, they've done a little investigation Uh, into the security clearance for Jared Kushner. We knew before that the FBI and the CIA uh, initially said they're – by the way, (laughs) Jared Kushner, he just happens to be the man in charge of uh, some new peace agreement for the Middle East. He just happens to be the man in charge of one of the most important foreign policy priorities of this administration. Uh, And he could not get a security clearance. Uh, so there were rumors that uh, they finally got one, and the rumors that he got one because Donald Trump ordered them to give him a security clearance, again, even though the FBI and the CIA raised some questions about uh, his past financial dealings, particularly with Russia, that made them hesitant to give a security clearance because they thought he could be maybe a Russian asset. Um Donald Trump over and over again, and other people in the family over and over again denied that Donald Trump had anything to do with it. Here, um, he, well, first of all, let's in order, uh, looking back, here's Ivanka Trump just a couple of weeks ago on The View, Ivanka, husband of Jared Kushner. Any special treatment?
5: There are a lot of people that question whether you were given special treatment by the president, overriding other Absolutely not. Official.
1: No special treatment, of course, she says. So then, previously, back on the 29th of January, Donald Trump sat down in the Oval Office, a famous interview, with a couple of reporters, Peter Baker and Maggie Haberman and um, uh, Arthur Schultzberger, the publisher of the New York Times, and the two reporters. And Maggie Haberman asks him about, because they were investigating this at the time, about, again, his interceding on behalf of Jared Kushner.
4: Jared's a good, I, I, was, I was never involved with the security. I know that he, you know, just from reading, I know that there was issues back and forth uh, about security for, uh, for numerous people, actually. But I don't want to get involved in that stuff.
1: Don't want to get involved in that stuff. Liar, liar, pants on fire again. Uh, the New York Times reporting this morning that, in fact, Donald Trump told then chief of staff John Kelly, you got to give, give and make sure make them give Jared Kushner a top security clearance. Uh, Chief of staff John Kelly was so upset about that because it meant overriding the intelligence agencies that John Kelly wrote, put it in writing for the history books, put in writing a memorandum saying the president ordered me to override the CIA and the NSA uh, and the FBI and grant Jared Kushner a top security clearance. And by the way, the White House counsel, Don McGahn, who had also recommended against a security clearance for Jared Kushner because of all these past histories, McGahn put in writing a memo saying, I oppose this. I am doing it because I am ordered to do it by the president of the United States. Two pieces of documentation that the, y- that the New York Times has which prove that Jared Kushner has a security clearance today because Donald Trump made it happen. Uh, it, just, it just follows, of course, all the lies uh, of Donald Trump, which were pointed out again by Michael Cohen in his testimony before the House Oversight Committee. Uh, and um, and buttressed by Michael Cohen with a documentation. Speaking of Cohen, again, he was back on the Hill yesterday uh, with his attorney, Landy Davis. Eight hours of testimony bef- uh, behind closed doors with the House Intelligence Committee, after which um, Chairman Adam Schiff says, yeah, we learned a lot, but um, we still want to know more, so he's going to come back.
4: We had a long day, uh, but it wasn't a long enough day. Um, And we very much appreciate Mr. Cohen's uh, cooperation. Uh, He has obviously had three very long days. Uh, He'll be returning on March 6th for additional testimony.
1: March 6th, coming back for additional testimony. And uh, I thought this was very revealing. This was testimony behind closed doors. So, obviously, we couldn't watch it on television uh, or read the transcript
4: not yet,
1: Adam Schiff, saying it won't be long before we'll know everything that Michael Cohen said behind closed doors.
4: We will be, uh, at the appropriate point, releasing his testimony publicly. Uh, we're not going to do that before his testimony is complete, and we're going to have to uh, determine whether there are any investigative equities uh, in terms of the timing after his uh, second session with us.
1: Uh, so that's, uh, that's I think that's a rare step. I don't remember. Uh, House committees releasing testimony behind closed doors. I'm sure they have agreement with Michael Cohen or they wouldn't, uh, uh, they wouldn't allow it. Um, raises the question about why they had it behind closed doors. Um, maybe because they didn't want to... In this case, they were talking yesterday, reportedly, uh, they were talking more about the Russian connections and what Michael Cohen knew about that, which could overlap and interfere with the Mueller investigation had they done the, the, the hearing publicly. Whatever, I'm speculating, it was not public, it was private, but they are going to release the transcript. Um, yesterday also, the House of Representatives, for the second day in a row, uh, passing legislation dealing with gun safety. Uh, they did so the day before, closing, um, the, uh, requiring a background check on all gun transfers and gun sales, um, passed overwhelmingly in the House, goes off to the Senate. And yesterday, one more measure, and this was very, very focused on what's called the the Charlottesville. No, I'm sorry, the Charleston loophole, um, where the killer down at the Mother Emanuel Church in uh, Charleston was able to buy a gun because um, they legally buy the gun because the feds had not done their background check within three days, and so the way the law used to read, or still does, until this hopefully passes the Senate as well, um, which that's really a, a big hope on my part. But at any rate, the law currently, if, uh, if in three, within three days they don't get an answer back, you get your gun. Uh, this law would extend it to 10 days, uh, not just three days, but it did pass yesterday. So the House is moving forward. Democrats in the House are moving forward with their legislative agenda, whether it's on voter uh, voting rights, whether it's on campaign finance reform, whether it's on prescription drugs, whether it's on gun safety or overturning the president's emergency declaration, uh, Nancy Pelosi and House Democrats uh, are not just holding hearings looking into Donald Trump, which some people claim that's all they would do. They've got a legislative agenda. They're moving forward with it. In the Senate yesterday, an unusual move as well, we know that the House resolution uh, to overturn, to nullify the president's emergency declaration Uh, passed on Monday overwhelmingly. Uh, It has to be voted on in the Senate within 18 days. Mitch McConnell cannot just bury this one. Um, And we know now that it needs four Republican votes plus all the Democrats in the Senate to pass. Uh, We know they have at least three Republican votes, and one of them, Senator Susan Collins yesterday, uh, introduced um, a Senate resolution, the echo, if you will, of the House resolution, together with Senator Tom Udall from New Mexico, bipartisan approach, again, saying the emergency declaration is invalid, it's unconstitutional, it's unnecessary, it's wrong, and they're trying to overturn it. Here's the good senator.
4: The failure of Congress to pass funding
3: in the amount the president prefers cannot become an excuse for the president to usurp the
0: powers of the executive branch,
1: and that is, that is the very point um, that um, even Senator Conservative Senator Tom Tillis made as well—that this is a usurp- usurpation of the powers, the purse powers of the Congress, and therefore is unconstitutional. Um, so, um, I was at CPAC yesterday. Yep. There he was, the Conservative Political Action Conference, for the very first time on a political panel uh, in front of the crowd, and you will be glad to know that they booed me roundly and loudly and long, and I didn't care. You look Uh, thrilled about it, actually. I was thrilled about it, yeah, yeah. actually. Uh, I'm just uh, glad you're here in one piece. (laughs) So am I. Well, I had a body man um, while I was there. I had a high school student to protect me from the mob. Yeah. Great. But I, I, I got to tell you, these are the true believers. Uh, and, and, you know, this, the thing about CPAC, this used to be the fringe element of the Republican Party. There were times when mainstream Republicans, if you want to call them that, would even question whether or not they should go to CPAC. This was, CPAC was the where the Tea Party came from, right? Really? Uh, really? Uh, 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 I mean, out of those um, rallies, CPAC rallies. And now, look what happened. The CPAC fringe element is now the Republican Party of the United States. I mean, they have taken over in the person of Donald Trump. And today, Mike Pence will be there, and tomorrow morning, Donald Trump will be there. Um, and, of course, the big theme at CPAC, and it came up right away in our panel, uh, and former White House or Trump aide I think he was in the White House very briefly, right? Sebastian. Yeah, I forgot what he did there, yeah. But he was out. We was one of the first ones out. I forget whether he actually made it into the administration or maybe just to the transition. So um and boy, they gotta say the boogeyman at the CPAC conference. Alexandra Ocasio Cortez, the Green New Deal, and Socialism. Here's Sebastian Gorka.
3: It's a watermelon. (laughs) Green on the outside, deep, deep red communist on the inside. They want to take your pickup truck. They want to rebuild your home. They want to take away your hamburgers. This is what Stalin dreamt about but never achieved. No, not my hamburgers. Oh, yeah. Not my pick-em-up trucks. Give me back
1: my pickup truck. I mean, this is it. I mean, you know, again, I keep coming back to this. I find it just stunning. First of all, the Green New Deal is a—I pointed this out yesterday. They didn't want to hear it. It is a big idea, but it's a non-binding resolution. If they pass this resolution in and of itself, it doesn't accomplish anything. It just sets some goals out there. And the goals are that we ought to have a—think about this now— the goals of the Green New Deal, big, big plans, right, big dream, as Nancy Pelosi called it, that we would have high-speed rail in this country, a whole network of high-speed rail, like France, like Germany, like Japan. Oh, no. But if we do it here, it's communism. It's socialism. That we would have universal health care. That we would have a fossil-free economy and energy plan at some point working into that that we would have, I think I mentioned universal health care, that there would be a living wage. Yeah, that all buildings would be retrofitted to be energy conservation, for energy conservation. I mean, this is what they brand as socialism? This is just good government. This is just a good life for the American people. Um, But they call it socialism. But you know what? Let them call it socialism. I don't care. I don't think it rings true anymore. Remember... They called Bernie Sanders a socialist in the Democratic primary in 2016. He got he won 21 primaries and he got 13 million votes. It didn't hurt him then, and he is a Democratic socialist. And so is Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. But this this I think they've it's Peter and the Wolf. They've thrown this term socialism around since Harry Truman and so-called socialized medicine in 1947. And it doesn't ring true anymore. Um, I saw this poll yesterday that um, in 2018, just last year, they did a survey about what do you think about of, what is socialism to you? Asking Americans today. And they gave them two definitions. Is it a country where you have health insurance for everybody, retirement support for everybody, free higher education, living wage, boom, boom, boom? 54% of Americans... Said that's what they mean by socialism. Or they said, or is it the way we used to think of socialism, government ownership of all means of production, total government control of all businesses? Forty-three percent of Americans said that's the kind of that's what they think of as socialism. And you know those are all older people, right? Among young people, 18 to 29, 58% of them said they like socialism because they think of socialism as again universal health care, retirement benefits, living wage, minimum wage, whatever. Uh, So I think this whole attack of the Green New Deal as being the watermelon, yeah, ain't going to work. We got lots and lots to talk about. Adam Smith joins us next. Uh, Partnership, uh, whoa, he's got a new job here. I can't get this title straight. Strategic Partnerships Director for N Citizens United. Boy, that's a good place to start. Uh, We'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back and continue with the news of the day. Your comments welcome on Twitter, at BP Show. This is the Bill Press Show. And on a Friday, March 1, can you believe it? March already. Here we go. It is the Bill Press Show, live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. And our studio right here in the heart of the action on Capitol. We're brought to you today by the International Association of Iron Workers. Ironworkers have been close to that union for a long time and led today by Eric Dean, the members of the Ironworkers Union, building America's communities today. And they are geared up and ready to rebuild America's infrastructure tomorrow. If only all of this talk about infrastructure would lead to um, an infrastructure bill. Yeah, where are you, Donald Trump, with your trillion-dollar infrastructure plan? Uh, At any rate, we'll find out. Check out their website at ironworkers.org. Uh, say hello with me to uh, Adam Smith, and now the Partnerships Director for N Citizens United, a good friend of the program. Adam, it's always good to see you.
5: Hey, thanks for having me back.
1: Thanks for coming in. Lots and lots to talk about yeah. in the wake of uh, Michael Cohen's testimony and uh, your work there at Citizens United. Um, but let's uh, take a quick break here to check um, a little Comments on the news of the day. Yes, indeed. Lots so of comments
3: far. on Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. Uh, the New York Times story about uh, Donald Trump pushing for security clearance for Jared Kushner. Jim Johnson said, in Trump's denial of the New York Times about Kushner clearance, we can tell he was lying because he said he heard about it from reading.
5: <laughs> Donald Trump
3: does not read. Right. Yes, absolutely. Uh, also, on this idea of... Um, The Senate pushing back on the national emergency. And Susan Collins sort of introducing that resolution yesterday with Tom Udall. Luna says Senator Collins is an abomination. She She fights to keep her own power. At the same time, she uses it to strip millions of women. Of theirs, and she they specifically point to, of course, the Kavanaugh, uh, Kavanaugh hearing. right? Yeah, of course, yeah. Uh, let's go to yesterday because we had a poll up. Do you believe the revelations from Michael Cohen and the Cohen hearing, despite the fact that Ma- that Cohen is known to be a pathological liar? 91% of you say yes, he's speaking the truth. 3% of you say no, he's a liar. 6% of you say you are unsure. And a lot of different comments there. Let's just uh, read some of them. Joseph says, if it walks like a duck, talks like a duck, smells like a duck, looks like a duck, and this person or lawyer of 10 years says, yeah, he's a duck, then yes, of course, he is a duck, especially because his lawyer is going to jail for also being a duck. Uh, Chloe says he finally realized he cannot save himself or Trump, for that matter, by continuing to lie as he's been cornered and has to finally tell the truth. And Art makes a good point. These weren't just claims that Michael Cohen made. He backed them up with evidence. With evidence. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That was, that
1: was what was different about his testimony this time.
3: Remember if you have a comment on any topic, at any time you can just find us on Twitter at BP show.
1: And while you're there Peter and Adam uh and this will, there's a link here to what Adam or I want to talk to Adam about. We want to talk to Adam about uh, I want to very quickly just that little burst that you gave us of uh, breaking news and at the top of the very very top of the show uh, where a uh, video released this morning by the governor of Washington state again not unexpected he gave some hints while he yeah. was in wash he was here in Washington DC not Washington State last weekend for the national Governor's conference and said uh, Jay, Governor Jay Inslee he was soon to reaching a decision uh, and making the decision. He released a video this morning, about an hour ago.
4: I'm Jay Inslee, and I'm running for president because I'm the only candidate who will make defeating climate change our nation's number one priority. We can do this. Join our movement. This is our moment. This is, this is-, this is-, this is- There it
5: is.
1: Uh, Jay Inslee, he's in it on the issue of climate change, and Adam, it's been interesting to see Uh, So many of these 2020 Democrats uh, immediately saying... Uh, on an issue you've worked on for a long time. They yeah. won't take any PAC money.
5: Yes, he, at the top of his website, This one, I looked in the car on the way over here, it <laughs> says, I will reject both fossil fuel money and corporate PAC money. Um, so he actually joins every single other announced 2020 Democratic candidate in saying they won't take corporate PAC money. So far, every single one of them has announced it. It's become a litmus test. Um, some of them have added other other right. things like lobbyist money or PAC money in general, but they're all... Really putting this issue of uh, corporate money and politics front and center in the campaign.
1: And a couple of them have said they will only take small dollar uh, contributions. Right. Uh, Right? I mean,
5: I'm not sure if they've said that, but um, they have, like Elizabeth Warren said, she won't go to in person fundraisers. um, Right. But I think they'll all take. Donations, if they're made, uh, other than corporate PAC ones, but I don't think anyone's has specifically limited the size of their donations. I,
1: I see right. That, that, in other words, I won't take anything over two hundred dollars. Yeah, and
5: several like of that. them have also said that they don't want to have an outside super PAC in the primary, like right. um, this independent super PAC specifically about them.
1: Right. Uh, but in terms of focus on uh, online small donations, yeah, I mean, it's certainly Bernie Sanders, uh, and who's already scored big time. Yeah. Uh, since he announced.
5: Yeah, I, I think go. that's part of the reason you take the corporate PAC pledge because it shows voters you're serious um, about like taking on the system. And that and I think it really uh, it builds trust and endears uh, cans to voters who are tired of this system. And they say, oh, they're going to reject corporate PAC money. I need to help them make up for some of what they're missing.
1: All right. So. Um, and Citizens United, what is your role in uh, uh, looking at these campaigns?
5: Sure. So, uh, my job is to help pass HR 1, the For the People Act, which we'll talk about in a little bit, uh, which is a bill in Congress to big reform mm-hmm. bill. Um, it's to uh, help make sure we have the biggest coalition um, out there working on these issues um, and to make sure that we're lifting up all of the good things that members of Congress are doing to pass reform.
1: So HR1 is a multi-purpose kind of piece of legislation, and it is the first legislation introduced by the Demo- new Democratic majority in Congress.
5: Yeah, it absolutely. It sets the priority. They said we want this bill to be first.
1: right. Uh, We should point out the House Oversight Committee under Chairman Elijah Cummings had held a hearing. There have been five hearings,
5: uh, House Oversight, uh, Homeland Security, Administration, um, Judiciary, and then uh, House Administration had another markup, had a markup on the bill on Tuesday.
1: Right. Uh, I I just wanted to make that point because all this theater at the beginning of the Michael Cohen hearing between Mark Meadows and Jim Jordan – and Chairman Cummings yeah. about what a disgrace this is that the first hearing that this committee would have, that, under new leadership, would be to have Michael Cohen as our first witness. Well, it wasn't the first hearing, yeah. by far. And he they had the hearing on HR one. They had a hearing on prescription drugs, yeah. and,
5: I, I and they had Meadows multiple was at those hearings. What's that? I believe Meadows was at those hearings. Sure,
1: he was. I was. I think so too. Yeah. He's a member of the committee, yeah. and Jim Jordan is a ranking member, right? right? So they knew they were just lying, right? Yeah. And they had other witnesses too. So, um, anyhow, uh, they've been caught <laughs> in that lie as well. Um, but so H R one and a part of it, so say, it's multi-purpose. Uh, but part of it would be um, to um, go as far, I guess, as the Congress could go in campaign finance reform.
5: Yeah. So there, there are three main components of this bill. One is uh, voting rights. Um, expanding, protecting the right to vote, making sure our election infrastructure is secure. Mm-hmm. Um, another, another one is ethics, making sure public officials are not profiting off public interest, um, overhauling our federal ethics rules, preventing members of Congress from serving on corporate boards, that sort of thing. And then the third one, uh, which is, of course, near and dear to me, is the money and politics component, um, which is things like uh, disclosure of dark money, uh, restructuring the FEC, and importantly, um, uh, would create a small donor public financing system for our elections so candidates will be able to run and win office on the strength of their grassroots support.
1: Uh, Matching dollars then? Matching funds, yeah. Mm -hmm. For grassroots support. Right. Yeah. Uh, And meanwhile, what is happening on the Citizens United front?
5: So, uh, which would take
1: a constitutional amendment, yeah. So or, there, or another Supreme Court,
5: yeah. There is a um, the HR one does have a sense of Congress that we need to be that Congress needs to be able to um, uh, set common sense limits on campaign spending and fundraising. Uh, but because of the way of constitutional amendments and bills work, the amendment itself can't be in HR one. Yeah. But right. there is a separate Democracy for All amendment that has been introduced in the House, and I think that'll move forward. We still have. Uh, grassroots campaigns around the country um, of state legislatures and uh, town councils and all of that sort of stuff uh, trying to overturn citizens United and sort of what at citizens United what we try to do is build political power to do it you know we need um, people to win elections because they promise to take on our broken system and um, you know I will say you know in the 2018 election um, w- Thirty-six members of the freshman class rejected corporate PAC money in their campaigns. Mm. Twenty-seven of those were in flip seats. Um, You know, last October, a hundred. How many won? well 27 of the people who won were in flip seats and uh-huh. uh, 36 of the winners rejected corporate PAC money oh um,
1: 36 winners
5: yeah 36 winners in the freshman class got yeah. it yeah um and you know early in our, like uh, last october like a 100 of these candidates said we want reform to be the top priority democrats took the majority and then reform was HR one. So right. they're really delivering on that promise that they made on the campaign trail.
1: It's amazing. I mean that they've proven just like on the gun issue as well last time uh in twenty eighteen. Yeah. Right. Uh freshmen but those those elected proved you can do without corporate PAC money. Yep. You can take on the NRA and still win.
5: Yeah, absolutely. I mean people are just people are just tired. Like right? right they I mean there's a lot of reasons people voted for Trump, but I think one of them was they believed what he said about we need to drain the swamp. We need to like reduce the power of donors. We need to end corruption. They want someone to take a hammer to the system. And I think all these freshmen, by leading by example and rejecting corporate PAC money and then saying, I will make reform my first priority, they built trust with voters who are just really cynical about politicians in Washington.
1: Right. Um. Now, uh, uh, when we look at the big event of this week, yeah, uh, the Michael Cohen testimony. What was your takeaway in terms of as looking for you know ethics and government <sighs> reform and campaign finance reform? Well,
5: first of all, as many people have said, one of the takeaways was that like Republicans did not defend the president at all. Like they weren't up there saying he's a fine man, he's not having affairs. He would not
1: do this. Yeah, no, right. Uh, but the I think- only defense was that Michael Cohen said he would not. Physically assault yeah, Melania. Right. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Whoa. Well, at least there's something, right? Yeah. These but days. that was um, the only defense of Michael, of Donald Trump, yeah. during the entire hearing, eight hours, or seven hours, whatever, on that day. And it came from Michael Cohen, yes. not from the yes. Republicans. It was,
5: it was wild. So I think that uh, he sort of hinted at, or like gave... Uh, Democrats sort of direction and a couple other investigations. It was like a
1: roadmap. Yes, he laid yeah. out. You know, if you want to get to the truth, right, it starts here, and then you follow the yellow brick road <laughs> right. with uh, Arthur Weiselberg.
5: Yes. So the, there's Weiselberg, who was the CFO of a Trump Organization, um, who allegedly was the one who said you should break the the payments out to Stormy Daniels into you know uh, several payments and not just eleven like want, payments. Eleven right. payments
1: and and, but, and Michael Cohen said he and Weisselberg were there with Trump when yeah. Trump said, you two guys go work out the payment schedule.
5: Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. So there's he, and a bunch of questions there. And he is, I think, already been questioned by um, the Southern District of New York, too. Mm-hmm. Um, there was uh, Cohen admitting that Trump inflated his per, his net worth while trying to both get. um for trying bank, to get the loan, the loans for the buffalo by the bank. Buffalo Bills, yeah. and then there's something around insurance, so that could be bank and insurance fraud. Um, if he did that, I think he tried to do it by saying he had a four billion dollar brand, and that was part of his net worth was his brand. Um, and then uh, Cohen said that Trump, he doesn't believe Trump's returns were ever under audit, um, so that's a question. His tax returns, he said he couldn't release them because they were under audit. And they never were. Um, there was. Uh, um, what else was in there? Um, there he well, said about the undisclosed investigation. The, on the,
1: on the in, 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 inflating yeah. his net worth. He also said the reverse. When it came time to pay his taxes, he deflated his yeah. net worth, yeah. <laughs> so he didn't pay as much in taxes. It's
5: right. it's wild, um, and you have to wonder like, is this just par for the course for like corporate America? Like, do they just get away with this stuff? And I think most people don't, but or most people don't try to do be as blatant as this. But it's raises no questions something. about accountability. Let me tell
1: you something. Donald Trump is not alone. Yeah. No, I, I. Let's agree. remember, Amazon has paid zero yeah. taxes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So.
5: It's sort of a feature, not a bug of our tax system that you can get away with this stuff. Yeah. Uh, And um, I think the other thing. By the
1: way, I want to cut back to other people on the yellow brick road. Arthur Weisselberg, we talked about. Donald Trump Jr. was mentioned. Yep. Ivanka was mentioned. uh, What surprised me a little bit is Jay Sekulo, one of the president's attorneys in the White House, that Michael Cohen said edited his testimony in front of Congress in which he lied about. The timing of the negotiations for the Trump Moscow project, Moscow yeah. project right?
5: Yeah. And that that goes that also shows speaks to what we didn't hear, right? He was in other closed door meetings that uh, closed and testified behind closed doors about Russia and other things. So we don't even know what Michael Cohen said that we haven't heard about, and it could be even more there,
1: right? Uh, and um, so on this Moscow project. By the way, I I thought it was very um, candid on on Cohen's part when he admitted, yeah, that they offered Putin this condo in the in the in the tower because it helps bring in other yeah. big money, right? Yeah. He yep. said, and by the it's true in the real estate business, any project like that, if you're doing a new condo tower in New York City, you get a couple of celebrities in there, yeah. Then it becomes, yeah. A, a, Could yeah. you
5: imagine wanting to be in the same apartment building as Vladimir, Vladimir Putin? Putin?
1: Well, I can't because I'm not a Russian, but right.
5: I guess if you if you
1: want to get some oil deals, yeah. right, or some yeah, I big, guess. big business, yeah. he's deals, probably not coming around asking for a you cup have of sugar. to you have to have Putin's yeah blessing. That's in Russia, yeah, because he'll get a cut, right? Yeah, and so yeah, I'd want to get close to him if that were my business. Yes, you're right. Yeah, right.
5: Yeah, right. so there are just lots of questions, and I think, but it, so many to me, it links also
1: to so without the tower in Moscow, then. Um, we've got the Trump hotel here in Washington, yeah. where the foreigners are still uh, foreign governments and and visitors are flocking to if they want to yeah if they' if they're here to do business with any part of the trump administration and I saw this week that they released some foreign profits, what's that? yeah, all about? so
5: uh one of the agreements that the Trump organization made back at the beginning of the administration was if they, uh, receive foreign profits to their business, to their hotels, they would donate those to the treasury. Uh, caveat is they haven't released what their formula is for deciding what is a foreign profit. So are you
1: telling me that any money, there's, they want us to believe that any money they make from any foreign government government, yeah. in any of the Trump properties, yeah, 100% of that profit goes into the federal
5: yeah, well, they, they they one. I don't think they've ever used a hundred percent. They're sort of, but they're sort of circumspect about it. And but this week they said, so they they then they won't list who it's from. They won't say, oh, oh. these ten governments like uh, Saudi yeah. Arabia or uh, right. Malaysia or whatever, gave money and-
1: Kazakhstan. Yeah, they won't say that. Oh, you don't um, know where the money's coming no, from? No, they just
5: said, so this week, they, I think they said they're donating $190,000, which is an increase, like a 26% increase from last year. Um, and the funny part about it was- in whoa, 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 Is that what they said they made- a, From foreign governments. In a year? Yeah.
1: 190000 Yeah, I don't- I'll call BS to that.
5: Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's they probably. That's the thing is like
1: that's one night at the Trump Hotel,
5: and that's the profits. So like, doesn't count the net, right? I mean, net and profit are different. So they're still like paying the paychecks of these people because it's only what above what they like the services and stuff. Um, Even
1: even so, I just don't trust that figure at all, right? And it was funny. I mean, talk about but some of these governments have taken over multiple floors of the Trump Hotel down here.
5: Yes. And um, it was funny because Eric, I think it was Eric or Don Jr. said that, "Listen, we actively discourage foreign governments from spending money at our properties, but there was a 26% per in- increase this <laughs> year from last year. He's not doing a very good job of discouraging it." Right. Uh, what is next
1: for H.R. 1? Uh, where is it now in the, pro- in, the in, in Yeah, so the it's a great process? question.
5: So this week, uh, House uh, Administration Committee marked it up and passed, passed it out of the committee. Um, also this week, every single, as of this week, every single Democratic member of the House is a co-sponsor, which is really exciting um yeah I don't think so i don't know how often that happens with bills i, I
1: was going to say i don't ever remember that yeah happened. so
5: that's really exciting all of them support it um there will be a house rules markup so one more markup uh next week and then it'll there will be final passage after that and um could be next week could be the week after but soon there uh we're expecting uh final passage of the bill and that's really exciting um and then there'll be a the Senate companion bill will be introduced sometime mm-hmm. soon. By um, do we know? Uh, I think it's going to be Senator Udall, um, and so he will introduce that companion bill soon. And um, I think over the next you know year and a half, two years, we're just going to see House Democrats continue to talk about these issues and uh, let people know that they passed HR one. They're trying to move money in politics issues and show voters that this is a really important issue to them.
1: Right. uh, And it is an issue on which um, there's pretty broad bipartisan support, isn't there?
5: Oh, definitely. Yeah, this is the one of those issues that like scores as well as like apple pie when you when you go talk to voters, right? Americans just really overwhelmingly support these policies. Um, It's only partisan here in Washington, right? If you go talk to voters out in uh, on the rest of the country, whether the Republicans, Independents, Democrats, they all say we need to like reduce the power of big money. We need to reduce the power of lobbyists. They all agree.
1: Uh, yeah, um, maybe. I guess except the entrenched Republicans, right?
5: Yeah. No, I think that's right, and that's why Do, you've is seen, there any
1: bipartisan support in the House
5: uh, for HR one? There aren't any Republicans on board. There are a couple of pieces in HR one that have bipartisan support. A lot of these are. A lot of H01 is parts of other bills, um, and there are some that have bipartisan support. Um, but I think that's why you're seeing people like Mitch McConnell attack this thing, um, saying it's it's this partisan, it's a power grab, because he knows how popular it is, and he knows that uh, people want this. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I saw
1: something breaking this morning about Paul LePage, who... Oh, yeah. Um,
5: said something it, racist about the Electoral yeah, College. Yeah, I,
1: I, I don't he, know what you saw I that, think Peter. Maine
5: is considering um, national popular vote or- uh, Yes, right. Uh, which would uh, mean that the winner of the- um, uh, It means the winner of the popular vote will get the electors.
1: From that from that particular state, From that particular right. state, yeah. Uh, no, that's yesterday. P- Peter, I don't know whether you can find that, but, but I'll just- And he just said right it out. will mean Any white
5: of, people hey, can't hey, be that, heard.
1: It will mean that minorities, minority, yeah. racial minorities, yeah. will elect the president of the United States yeah. because it means that California and yeah. some of those other border yeah. states, right, yeah. and the and the and the votes of white people will not be heard. <laughs> Paul LePage. It's
5: great when they sort of lift the veil, right? And they stop pretending. Masks Total. off. Yep. Yeah. Masks off.
1: Worst governor in American history, like ever, uh, and one of the best, Jay Inslee, now running for president of the United States. <laughs> so there you go. Hey, Adam, it's always good to see yeah, you. thanks, thanks for, for coming me. in. Cover a lot of territory. When we come back, Jason Dick joins us as a friend of Bill for the whole next hour. We'll see Peace. you then And remember, if you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. That means a lot to us. And thanks so much for your support.
2: Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Welcome to the art of the
1: no deal. <laughs> yeah, in other words, <laughs> welcome to the Trump administration. Yeah, he is back uh, with tail between his legs and no deal, no agreement, no nothing out of North Korea. Uh, except, of course, giving Kim Jong-un a pass on the, let's call it what it is, the murder of Otto Warmbier. Hello, everybody. What do you say? It is the Bill Press Show. It's a Friday, Friday, March 1. Can you believe it? Here we are already in the month of March 2019. Coming to you live, as always, from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, and our little spot in our nation's capital right in the heart of the action in our studio on Capitol Hill. Uh, Capitol Hill, also the territory of roll call and the head of roll call. Well, we should say the deputy editor. Yeah, yeah number deputy. two,
2: number three. It depends on, the, uh, you know, like the On, on the day, day. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> on who's in town, who's out of town. Our good friend and a frequent uh, guest host here on the Bill Press Show, uh, Jason Dick. Hello, Jason. It's always good to see you.
2: Good to see you, too, Bill. Peace be with you.
1: Oh, my. <laughs> and, and, and with you. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so, also with you, I yeah. guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, they change the script so often right, in the Catholic right, Church. You know. It's hard to... Uh, Hard to keep well up with. What a week, huh? Uh, yeah, it. I not actually, a big week, not a good week for Donald Trump. Not
2: not a great week for Donald Trump. Certainly not a good week for the warm beers, uh, who thought that they probably had an ally uh, in yeah. Donald Trump. Uh, I, I uh, as as you know, I love uh, uh, analog, dead dead trees and things uh-huh. and so forth. Yeah. I feel like the oh. the the Washington Post like lead photo of Mike Pompeo. It just it says it all. It just it's just kind of like hold it up oh, so maybe you can, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty content. amazing. Yeah, yeah. the it caption really could just read "oy." Yeah, no, exactly.
1: <laughs> and you know what, Mom, Mike Pompeo, so many times, right? You know he's got to go. Oh God, yeah. what did he do now? It, well, it is a head slap. This this bit. could be. I'm not sure it is. When Donald Trump says, "Kim Jong Un told me he knew nothing about it," right, and I take him at his word. Oh God! Right.
3: Yeah. And,
2: and, you know, one of the, the the connection again. That what sure. made this week so long? Michael Cohen's testimony. Right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, so, we'll get. Oh, into well, all of oh, that. that's right. We've that's got, right. We've got that little. Cutting into my time, man. Right. Oh, you've Whoa. got to shut
1: up because I. <laughs> you shut up because I have to say. But first. <laughs>
3: This is
1: the full quarter. There reps. you go,
3: just a couple of other stories making news. Let's go up north because the Yukon Striker is about to open. It is a roller coaster at Canada's Wonderland theme park. It is the
2: tallest
3: and fastest roller coaster mm. on earth.
2: You're the Yukon Striker. The Yukon
3: Striker. It's Here's not
2: the University of Connecticut Striker. That's no, right. It's, that's that's right. That's <laughs> a very good point. Thank UConn you for gold. clarifying. Oh.
3: Thank you for clarifying. The Yukon Striker stands 223 feet tall. There is a 90 degree drop that takes you all the way down to like an underwater mining shaft. There's a little tube that you go oh, into that takes whoa. you underwater. It is also the fastest <laughs> roller coaster, reaches speeds of 80 miles oh. Per hour, again. If you want to go see this, you could go up to Canada Wonderland
1: to go see it. I'm I'm not much of a roller coaster guy. There are so many reasons I will not be on
2: that roller coaster. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I've done I've done the Cyclone once up in up in uh, Coney Island. That's all I need.
4: Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I was
2: scared Mm -hmm. mindlessly, and I'm like, that's that's it for me. I can think of three reasons that I don't need to ride it. It's the tallest and the
3: fastest. Uh, and going uh, underground and all of food? that forget it no no, mine
2: shaft was, was the, the, you, yeah, know, you the lost trigger underwater there. mine shaft <laughs> for a, a roller
3: coaster hey uh it's pretty cold out there i know it's not yeah. just cold here in washington dc it's cold all around the country in fact now that february is over in los angeles <laughs> bill an area you know well it never even reached 70 degrees In all of February, it never reached 70 degrees. Can you believe that? No.
2: Panic in the streets. Yeah, right?
3: I mean, people live in Los Angeles for that nice weather. Well, they didn't get it in February. They they do not have warm clothes. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, You can only only wear so many warm clothes in a row, right? Uh, But yeah, uh, Los Angeles kind of freaking Mm. out because it was very cold in February and it never got above 70 degrees, even in Los Angeles.
1: This is the Bill Press Show. Second day in a row, Democrats in the House of Representatives passed a piece of gun safety legislation for the first time in 25 years. Who says elections don't have consequences? Elections don't matter. Big change. In fact, you can see it happening every day. Hello, everybody. Happy Friday. On a Friday, March 1, uh, we welcome you to the Bill Press Show, coming to you live again from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. All the news of the day, Michael Cohen making his uh, third appearance this week on Capitol Hill. They liked him so much, they have invited him back on March the 6th. He will be back to testify again in front of the uh, House Intelligence Committee. Um, Big secret behind closed doors yesterday, but uh, Chairman Adam Schiff says that they're going to release a transcript uh, before too long, so we'll be able to uh, know, in fact, everything that was said privately yesterday. So good to see you as we join you online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show, as we join you nationwide on Free Speech TV. Hello, Chicago on WCPT, uh, Chicago and all the surrounding Chicago area. And uh, now in the big mayor's race uh, runoff up till April the 2nd. We welcome you all. Good to see you. And uh, we welcome uh, Jason Dick, Deputy Editor of Roll Call, RollCall.com, right? Yes. CQ Roll Call. No,
2: Roll Call, just RollCall.com. It does work. Yeah, RollCall.com.
1: Yeah. Yep. Uh, and uh, a frequent guest host here on the Bill Press Show. It's nice of you to come in. In your secondary role today. (laughs) It's it's very nice to be here. And not push me out of the seat here. Well,
2: the hour's not over yet. (laughs) That's true. There is time. There is time. Sharpening the knives. Um, (laughs) uh, So we started this
1: morning with a little bit of breaking news. Uh, At the very moment that we went on the air, there was a video released uh, from Washington State here he is. I'm
4: Jay Inslee, and I'm running for president because I'm the only candidate who will make defeating climate change our nation's number one priority. We can do this. Join our movement. This is our moment. This
2: is, this is. This is our
1: moment. So there he is. He is in. He says that's his issue. It's, and um, uh, he's the first governor, mm-hmm. uh, former member of Congress, but now governor. And right. as governor, he did a lot uh, for at, at the state level just right. like Jerry Brown did in California right uh, to adopt policies to combat climate change right. um what do you think got a shot
2: uh, i I absolutely think he has a shot uh, and and one of the reasons is that it's such a huge field I mean we we saw this with the Republicans in 2016 yeah you know they had yeah. this gigantic field and and it didn't it doesn't take a whole lot to get 25 30 percent in iowa uh and then and then you know you have momentum you have fundraising and so forth so if you ha- and if you have a message i mean i think one of the things that's interesting about the particularly the the senators who are running uh for for the democratic nomination they're 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 clouding each other's messages you know cory booker yesterday introduced uh, marijuana legalization uh, legislation to to and and he sort of piggybacked on that and saying like we need to decriminalize this we need to get you know like do away with this ridiculous notion that you just throw everybody in prison and then it became sort of a criminal justice sort of thing and that this is one of Booker's big legislative achievements but like this isn't that f- different than a lot of other Democratic senators because they all Kamala Harris uh, uh, talks
1: right. about cr- right. uh, uh, criminal justice reform
2: right and and so the. I mean, when when you have so many people trying to get an edge, I mean, Inslee, right out of the gate, right out of the announcement, this is about climate change. I mean, this is big, big topic things. He probably sees that it's not only a good policy from his perspective and the perspective of the state, but this is what young people in particular, the biggest growing part of the electorate, care about. If I could just
3: jump in really quickly, we've just put up a poll uh, on Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. Uh, What is the most important issue for you in 2020? Uh, we give you a couple different options. Remember, we can only put four up uh, because it's Twitter. Uh, Health care, climate change, immigration, or other. So I figured that we figure those were the, the three big yeah, ones, and then right. you get the uh-huh. other as right. well. Uh, so go uh, vote right now at BP Show, at BP Show.
1: Well, very interesting. And I think that does distinguish him. It's not that the others are bad on climate right. change, but they're not climate change deniers. Right. But he's saying, this is my issue. And when I think about it, Uh, Listening to you here, (laughs) I was just running through kind of the candidates. I can't think of any of the other ones where they have said, I'm running, and this is my number one issue. I mean, Elizabeth Warren stands for a lot of things, right? Right. right. Um, Getting big money out of politics, right? Uh, Whatever.
2: Among other things. Among other (laughs) things. (laughs) Right. The other thing about health
1: care, Bernie Sanders has a Medicare for all. Right. But that's yeah. not the only thing, right? right? He's also good on climate change. This is it. This and is what I'm going to find.
3: The thing about Inslee's video, we didn't play the whole thing. We just played the part where he announced is he? There's a whole lead up about all of the different industries and aspects of society okay. that won't matter anymore if we don't address climate change, right. right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's just it affects every single thing.
1: Um. Uh, by the way, I, I also want to point out that he has one a distinct advantage that for months now Jay Inslee has been Carol Press's candidate for president of the United States. Oh, wow! And when you is, add, you know, her is, 50 million Twitter followers, I mean.
2: Well, and when, when you when you when you win the. Eastern Market uh, Caucus. <laughs> By the way, one of the voices on the video, uh,
1: another is Carol. Another is it not Carol. Uh, it's not Carol. Uh,
2: oh, oh, Bill Nye,
1: Bill Nye, the Science Guy, uh, is on is there. Is that right? Yeah, he's endorsed.
3: Yeah. He's endorsed Jay Inslee, and now the Carol. Well, I don't know if Carol Press is officially endorsed.
1: Oh no. <laughs> yes. We could a...
3: call
2: him. Fi- All right. So there's two celebrity endorsements that uh, Jay Inslee already has. Expect to see Jay Inslee outfitted with some very nice scarves. So. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Who is the? I'm the, the
1: the great climate change Bill
3: Bill McKibben. Bill McKibben. Yeah. I wonder
1: if he's endorsed.
3: I, I haven't seen yet. Yeah. Uh, but like you so, said, like you know that nobody else is addressing it the way Inslee is. Well, and,
2: but, and but, depending on how you frame this too. I mean, I remember. I mean, my, my entree to working in in journalism and working in Washington was at Greenwire, uh, National Journal owned Greenwire at the time. It was we we you know it was sort of more of almost like a hotline type tip sheet on the environment, and the founder, the guy who founded it, Phil Shabakov, who was previously at the New York Times. I mean he he's you know he wanted to emphasize to us even though we were kind of a trade publication at that is like this is about the environment and the the biggest issue in the environment is climate change. Mm-hmm. And the and this is quite literally the fate of the planet. So that makes it automatically the most important issue.
1: And everything else ties into it, right? Absolutely. Now, in terms of, of, of 2020, uh, Inslee might have to contend with. So uh, Politico this morning has a totally meaningless poll, I might add, as to at this t- point today, mm-hmm. New Hampshire Democrats, who their leading <laughs> candidates are... <laughs> Bernie, twenty six percent, no surprise. I mean, Vermont, New Hampshire,
2: neighboring. Uh, Neighbor Joe
1: Biden, Joe Biden, twenty two. Kamala Harris, ten. Elizabeth Warren, seven. Uh, The top four there again at this point. Who knows? It's an eternity from now to whenever the New Hampshire primary uh, happens. Um, and again, not surprised Bernie won New Hampshire last time, didn't
2: he? I'm pretty he, sure. He did, yes, he did. Coming
1: right, out right. of Iowa, close in yes, Iowa and then was, won New Hampshire right. and then Hillary. Almost a
2: draw in Iowa, basically. Right. He won New Hampshire and, and
1: then, then right. Hillary um rolled. Rolled. Right from <laughs> no. then right from then on. Uh, but Joe Biden coming in number two, what's Joe Biden
2: gonna do? It seems like he's gonna run. Um, I mean, he, you know, or he, maybe he, not. He, right? he, it's like he's shown a little leg a little bit, yeah. <laughs> and 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 s- is saying things like, Well, my family really wants me to run. Yeah, um, all and, the people that are d- d- the right.
1: dearest to me and the most important to me, they all want me to run, right? Okay, well, then just damn it,
2: do it, and, right? Yeah, the, and and I think you know what, what's going on is that you know, Biden, he doesn't have to jump in right now, everybody knows who he is. Uh, he has, uh, you know, a he, has, he is an instantly recognizable presence. Uh, you know, Pete Buttigieg doesn't, right? So yes. he, he had to get in early. Right. He, had to, he had to get to Iowa. He had to start, you know, uh, courting donors, courting, you know, people, like influential people in, in the Democratic Party apparatus. I right. mean, it's some, it's somebody like him, you know, who's on the opposite end of the spectrum in terms of experience and, and so forth, he, he, has to, he has to work the phones a little bit more than Uncle Joe. So uh, it seems like Joe Biden is going to run, um, you know, th- there's, he doesn't, there's no risk in it either. I mean, I- I- if he feels like he's going to be a spoiler, uh, that he's not going to, he's not going to do anything but to take votes away from somebody else who has a lot of momentum, he can always bow out. Uh, and, you know, he's not going to humiliate himself. It, you know, he's he has a storied career already.
1: Uh, you know, Ginger Gibbons uh, from uh, Reuters was mm-hmm. in yesterday, Gibson, sorry, uh, in yesterday, and uh, and she had a story come out yesterday morning where they, she and a fellow reporter talked to a lot of Democrats, particularly members of the DNC, when mm-hmm. they were in town last weekend, uh, and her report was that if Joe Biden expects to wait and then come in, and then everybody else is just going to basically get out of the way because Uncle Joe is now in. That's not going to happen. Probably right? not. Right. It's not going to be right. like automatically everybody's going to flock behind Joe because he's our beloved former vice president. Right. You know, uh, he could very well move into it and not win the nomination.
2: Right. Which would be. I mean, it's got to be on his mind too that, like, you know, don't it, go, it, how, don't yeah.
1: go out a loser.
2: Right? right. How do, how do I want to? You know, this is the tail end of my career regardless I right. mean, how do I want to be do I want to be a kingmaker mm-hmm. you know do, do I want do I want to help out somebody you know uh, uh, the new generation I mean this is the reason one of the reasons I I mentioned Buttigieg is that he that's his if there's one issue that he's running on it's that this is a new generation this is like I mean I I served you know my country uh, in in the military I am the I'm a gay man who is like the the uh, mayor of a conservative Midwestern city like I am I am like as typically kind of late stage millennial as as you get and and we we view things differently and it's time I want to you know raise my hand for service so that's a different message than like this would be a nice way, nice way to capstone my career. I mean, I feel like you know, we on the TV screen we have got Chris Christie in the middle there on Fox and Friends. I feel like Biden running now is like Christie running in 2016. Mm-hmm. The time for Christie to run was probably 2012, 2012. absolutely. Uh, and, and and I think the time to run for Biden was probably 2016. Right. Uh, and and for a variety of reasons, not you know, you know, including the death of his son, you know, Beau, uh, who was really the <laughs> one who was going to be running for president and doing those things. Uh, he didn't run in 2016, and and you know these things. You're not, nobody's guaranteed a, a path to the presidency. You know, you you don't you don't have to like get another shot. Sometimes it just like it kind of goes. It just goes away. And right. you know, Biden like is he's got like I said this you know incredible career, incredible story in American politics and history.
1: I want to take already. you back to uh, January 29. Uh, the New York Times um, became a, it's a pretty famous interview right now in the Oval Office. Uh, Arthur Sulzberger, the publisher of the New York Times, the failed right, or failing New York Times, right. whatever.
2: P- Pinch Sulzberger, right? Uh, <laughs> uh,
1: yes. <laughs> uh, was invited down to meet with the president, and he said, well, I want to come in, um, not just have a little dinner, let's have a real serious interview, mm-hmm. and I'll bring along Peter Baker and Maggie Haberman. And Maggie raises a question. Uh, in this interview about something that they obviously were working on at the time which was, was there a sweetheart deal forced by the president to get son-in-law Jared Kushner a security clearance? Here's that little exchange.
4: Jared's a good I, I was I was never involved with the security. I know that he, you know, just from reading, I know that there was issues back and forth uh, about mm-hmm. security for for numerous people, actually, <laughs> but I don't want to get involved in that stuff. Oh uh, no, no, no!
2: He's a good boy, though. <laughs> yes, yes.
1: So uh, the New York Times reporting this morning that actually uh, Kushner had been turned down for a security clearance, top security clearance, by Imagine the C- that. by the CIA and the FBI and the NSA and all of them because of his ties, financial ties, with right. Saudi Arabia and Russia, and therefore should not be cleared. Trump, according to the New York Times, forced John Kelly, chief of staff, ordered him to get Kushner a security clearance. Uh, Kelly was so upset about this, he put it in writing, basically saying, I'm doing this because the president ordered me to. The White House counsel, Don McGahn, um, recommended against it. He put in writing that he was only doing it because the president ordered mm-hmm. him to do so. Pretty embarrassing. And here's Kushner now out on the world stage, right, right uh, leading the Middle peace talks and meeting with
2: Mohammed bin Salman in, Sa- in Saudi Arabia this week. Right. And it, you know, I when I when I read stories like that, and even you know before, like when this first came up, even bef- before this January meeting about like how could Jer- how could Jared Kushner. Who has all these debts and all, you know, like related to his real estate empire uh, and so forth, and whose father was put into prison by Chris Christie, of all people? Christie, his name just keeps coming up. (laughs) um, That how could he possibly get like even a day pass at this point to the White House? Because I, I mean, (laughs) as as you know, if you're in Washington long enough, right, somebody that you know. Uh, will will apply for a job with the government, and it may be with like the labor department or something like that. I mean, or or HHS, and you will get a a phone call either from somebody who is a government employee like somebody who works for the FBI or the one of their contractors to come out and you'll meet them at a coffee shop or they'll they'll come to your workplace and they'll sit there for an hour and ask you everything about this person's potential dirty laundry oh, do yeah. they gamble do they screw around on their wife do they do this I mean is it, they, they go through this list of all these compromising things and you know at a certain point you kind of throw up your hands and like I don't know, you know, like, yeah. like I don't know how many drinks he had, like, uh, this one night. Like, did he, you, yeah, you know. They, and, and, I've,
1: I've been uh, through several of those interviews. They right. really look at everything. They look at yeah. every,
2: like, little piece of, the, yeah. of possibly compromising, you know, in, information about about somebody that you may be very close to. Uh, and you think, like, boy, I hope I didn't screw that up for them, you know, like because I saw them smoking a cigarette outside a bar one time and and mm-hmm. whistling at somebody, I mean, or something like that and and like it just seems like how could how could like some people who get get just the third degree treatment on that for like some sort of weird sub 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 cabinet level position right uh, and and yet this guy you know who owes money, you know to uh, you know, for the the wonderfully like the six 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 building in in New York and so forth, and is talking to different like you know foreign investment funds to take over and, and to to right. be you know to relieve mm-hmm. him of his death. How could he get like again even like a day pass? Right. I, it baffles me, and it well, it suggests that there is favoritism.
1: Now we know he only got it because of yeah his father-in-law. Yeah, uh, pretty pretty frankly, so which and, and that Donald Trump caught in that lie which we just heard. Uh, and refuted today with evidence of these, these two written documents by the New York Times, uh, really ties back to some of the other uh, documentation proving Donald Trump lies that we heard from Michael Cohen this right. week. So you got to admit it was a great television, right? Oh, gosh.
2: Yeah, it was but exhausting. What, <laughs> and exhausting, <laughs> yes. true.
1: What impact uh, uh, will the Michael Cohen hearing have, do you think?
2: Uh, so uh, it's funny you mention that. <laughs> uh, yeah. we, we did a, a short, um, shortened version of my podcast for a Roll Call Political Theater with Simone Pathé and Bridget Bowman, who are, who are also, you know, sometime guests of the of the show yes, here. Uh, to talk about the political effects. I mean, like, be- yeah. because we we wanted to figure like, okay, how do we get our own mm-hmm. angle for Roll Call on this? Mm-hmm. And we usually view things through the Political prism, particularly 2020 at this stage,
1: which you can find and, again at cqrollcall.com. Yes,
2: uh, yeah, at, at roll, rollcall.com. Roll Com. You, if you do our uh, look for political theater podcast, uh, it's on all the you know apps for you know iTunes, yeah. Spotify, all that. Okay, um, and and Simone and Bridget, you know, asked like, so what what, what effect is this going to have, you know, on, on strategies? And they were fairly, I mean, I wouldn't say blase about it, but this is the you know, democratic strategists they want to talk about health care. They want to talk about you know, like it, the issues that are animating their base, and their and and also bleed into the portions of of uh, the electorate that's not their base. Uh, everybody is worried about healthcare. You know, everybody has a healthcare horror story. Uh, the more evidence we see of climate change, they want to talk about that. And it it seems like the in their meetings, with particularly with Democratic strategists, they the the Democrats are like, this is going to play out regardless. Trump uh, and and the drama surrounding him and Cohen and all this stuff, this is always going to be playing out. You know, the, all I have, people have to do is turn on their television. We don't have to, like, run ads or strategies about it. What we do want to, you know, like, hammer home is that, you know, the Republican Party, like, voted 50-some-odd times to take away the Affordable Care Act. <laughs> uh, you know, we want to hammer that home. And when, when you look at what a lot of the, the, you know— how. Ha- the successful House candidates on the Democratic side, they weren't really talking that much about Trump. They they were like, you know, th- this that's its own little world. I want to make sure that, you, you know, you have a fair representation in Washington. Right. No, no, no. I, I,
1: I And I see that happening more and more. I mean, it, this idea that the Democrats are going to spend all their time just bashing right. Donald Trump. Right. And they're not. And it's, again, they don't have to. Right. Because Donald Trump does a good job of, like this Otto Warmbier stuff, which right. we going to talk with Nahal Tuzi about, uh, you know, in the next uh, in the next half hour. Uh, Democrats didn't have to do that to right. Donald Trump, but he's he, self inflicted well, wounds and, uh, occur every day with Donald Trump.
2: And and you look at the the whole thing with North Korea. I mean, like you can debate the merits of of his strategy in going, you know, in 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 negotiating with Kim Jong Un, but like he actually did something that got Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi and Kevin McCarthy all on the same page he said like good for you like instead of taking a crappy deal like you walked yeah. like and and that that's actually the terminology that Trump used and and instead of just taking the win he has, he has to say like oh yeah like mm-hmm. i believe kim jong un about Otto Warmbier i mean like right. you know and and this right. is where the there is this weird like thing with, you know cohen talks about how uh, in in his testimony on Wednesday, in particular, he talked about how th- there's almost like a mob code in the way that Trump communicates. And, and th- when I th- when I heard about that, when I you know when it, and you and you also related to the way that he's dealt with uh, Mohammed bin Salman and his role in the death of Jamal Khashoggi in in Turkey, where you know Saudi agents dismembered you know an American resident and journalist. Uh, it's 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 like this thing of like oh, I don't know what happened to him. I guess he like walked into a truck or something. You know I mean I mean it's it's just I don't go I don't get what this one big guy did. I mean I guess he just you know he should walk, look both ways before he crosses the street and be on You know what I mean? You know I mean, it's just like right. so he so he snatched victory you know for, you know out of he he snatched defeat out of the out jaws, of jaws of victory. victory. You know, yeah. so, uh, in In North Korea because. The storyline could have been, I walked away from a bad deal. But it's, I walked away from a bad deal and I gave cover to a murderous tyrant.
1: Right. Uh, Again, I'll circle back to Cohen, (laughs) which is the question I ask you in terms of impact. Uh, It seems that one thing that Cohen did is basically charted a course for the Democrats Mm -hmm. and the House Oversight Committee for the next couple of months. Right. right?
2: And and the the Republicans missed their shot. Was he believable? I mean— Cohen. Cohen. I mean, the, the admitted. He's, he's an admitted liar. He's an admitted liar. Right. I mean, it, this it is. Time. Yeah. And and this is part of like the you know the Republican strategy to discredit him. Of course. Well, and, and they spent seven hours right.
1: trying to do? And
2: right. then and then Trump himself also sort of muddied it by saying like he was he lied about every single thing except for collusion when he was telling the truth when he said there was no collusion yep. with Russia. <laughs> so like it, it. I think that you in, can't believe right. him. Right. Except when he says something I like.
1: Right. Then you can believe him.
2: It, as far as the public and voters, I don't know. I mean, it seems like everything's baked, you know, in, in into the cake. I mean, the the are the a forty percent of the country that that approves of Donald Trump. Are they going to abandon him because they saw, you know, the says who guy, <laughs> uh, like kind of you know, jostled around in the oversight committee? Probably not. Are Democrats going to get any more fired up to vote in twenty twenty? Probably not. Where it's significant is behind the scenes, and and this. You know, the the level of questioning, particularly from some of the junior members of the Oversight Committee, like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, give her credit for this. They, you know, they're saying, well, what about this? And, and that's just like pulling a little strand out. And and, you know, when Cohen said that, you know, he's still talking to, you know, the the U.S. attorney in the Southern District of New York on an ongoing criminal you know proceedings that, that must have raised some hackles, you know, in, in the White House. Um, because they've already got Mueller (laughs) and now, you know, they've got, you know, the New York, then they got the New York attorney general's office too, looking at some of the stuff and they're going to continue talking to him and they're going to, they're going to start calling people from the Trump organization in for testimony. So I think that it's the more under the radar, like legal cases and investigations, the stuff that is, we, you know, as just as a sort of a consumer of news or, or a casual observer Mm -hmm. might, you know, say like, oh, that's, that's pretty complicated, but I guarantee you the you know U.S. attorneys find this stuff fascinating. Oh yeah, <laughs> and, oh, yeah. and and, and be yeah, looking it will... at it very very closely. Yeah, so what I think saying? that's the big effect
1: right there. Um, roll call uh, with particular emphasis on covering Congress. You've been uh, uh, covering, of course, the the vote in the last two days, two yep. days in a row on gun safety legislation. Right, haven't seen that in 25 years. So elections do have consequences. They, they
2: do have consequences, and and I think that you know the, you, you look at the you know, that this was a promise that the, that the Democrats made. You know, the, And, you know, when it comes to things like background checks, which was the first vote, you know, the, the, that was the, the, the big, the, arguably the more significant of the two pieces of legislation, right. um, like calling for, you know, background checks. And, I mean, that, that's something that most people On think. On every
1: sale and yeah. transfer. Right. And yesterday was to close this so-called uh, uh, Charleston loophole, right. uh, saying that the federal government didn't get its background check done in three days. Then it'll extend it right. to 10 days. Right. You don't get the gun right. like just, the kid and right. the guy in, Charleston, in Charleston. Charleston
2: did. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, those the, if you poll people, you know, in the public, are, yeah. even gun owners they are like, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, the, 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 nobody right. I, I don't I don't I can't imagine that too many reasonable people. I will say that I uh, think that it's just a really good idea for anybody. To be able to buy to, any to just, gun anywhere, any yeah, go anytime. go up yeah. to a gun show and and just like buy like a, a bushel full of assault rifles, uh, with no no background check, with nothing. I mean, there. Let's be re- you know honest too. This isn't going anywhere uh, in in the Senate, um, but you know it wasn't too many years ago. It was 2013, I believe, that Joe Manchin, Democrat from West Virginia, and Pat Toomey, Republican from Pennsylvania. Had a not dissimilar piece of legislation that they pushed and they couldn't yeah. get, Could it past, get it past like this. the procedural. But box. you so. know,
1: for Democrats, I mean, they're, they 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 have promised that you put us in charge, right, mm-hmm. and we're going to move on these these right. issues, right, right, and that's what they're doing. Right. And gun safety was one of them. Prescription drugs was another one. Campaign finance reform right. and voting rights was another one. Mm-hmm. And on all three of those, at least, and probably more than I'm not thinking of, they have. Um, move forward with legislation right. while other stuff may be going on which right. I think is, is significant even if they don't get it through the Senate they right. can say hey give us, us more senators sh- <laughs> give us more senators and <laughs> then we'll get them right. done right let's right. take a quick break here um, and we want to talk uh, more about uh, the summit and uh, whether Donald Trump should have gone in the first place about the Ottawa or r- remarks by uh, by Donald Trump which have driven Republicans and Democrats crazy no better person to join us than the Haltuzzi who's a foreign foreign affairs correspondent for Politico. Uh, we'll take a quick break. And uh, Jason stays. Nahal joins us. And all of you still there. we got another exciting half hour coming up. Stay tuned.
2: Download our podcast. Search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes. And remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill
3: Press Show.
1: And on a Friday, March 1, indeed, The Bill Press Show, live from our nation's capital. Here in the studio with us, Jason Dick from Roll Call, as a friend of Bill through the entire hour. And we're now joined by foreign affairs correspondent for Politico with a big story up this morning already. Nahal, Nahal Tuzi, good friend of the program, and it's good to have you back.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: I mean, even you braved a little snow and sleet this morning. I mean,
0: <laughs> It wasn't too bad. I used to live in Wisconsin, so this is pretty easy.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it was just a little enough to like
2: Wintry mix. To, to, it's it's beautiful wintry right. mix. Is right. that what
1: we call it? Right. right. So now your story this morning, which I saw early this morning, that um, talking about the chaotic, uh, first you were talking about Trump administration chaos when it comes to foreign policy. I thought you were talking about this week, but you actually <laughs> were talking about it started out that way, right?
0: Yeah. Um... So
1: we'll lead into this week, but tell us about the early days.
0: Yeah, so I have this big piece out this morning about uh, basically the first uh, couple of months or so at the National Security Council under Trump, and how things Michael went down. Flynn, yes, this was lasted, Michael Flynn's what, twenty-four days 24 or whatever. Days, yeah, uh, and the first kind of part of early H.R. Uh, McMaster, and also you know some of the transition stuff, or the you know not it wasn't really much of a transition. I mean, there were not that many Trump officials who showed up. And, you know, the National Security Council is a very, you know, important place where a lot of sensitive things get done. And you had just huge amounts of dysfunction. The process basically non-existence, the policymaking process, um, political appointees targeting uh, career staffers, basically discriminating against them based on, like, the shade of their badges. You know, I mean, it was just the, the details were pretty astonishing. And I managed to talk to around t- uh, three dozen current and former government officials um, for the story about what it was like being there at the time,
1: and a lot of people who had zero foreign policy experience, both there and at state, right?
0: Uh, who they were limited in their experience. I mean, people like Steve Mannon or Jared Kushner, and you know, and that's the thing is that one of the limited one of the, well, <laughs> one of the <laughs> well, challenges of, of, of for the folks at the National Security Council at this time uh, was that. You know, Flynn wasn't really fully in charge of everything even when it came to this stuff. So, like, there were all these power centers and, you know, they'd have ambassadors calling them like, hey, who should I be talking to? And they would tell them, look, maybe you need to get to know Jared. Maybe you need to get to know Bannon because we ourselves don't really know who's in charge right now.
1: And you had a guy at Tillerson, Tillerson at State. Yeah. Who didn't never really had the. Power or the jurisdiction, right? Are that close to the president?
0: He didn't really. He wasn't really in sync with the president on policy. And at the same time, he mm-hmm. did not care to hear what career staffers at State Department had. These are these are experts, but he didn't want to hear from them. Uh, so he kind of shut them off and did his own thing. And uh, morale at state completely fell Uh mm-hmm terribly. So.
1: so flash forward flash forward <laughs> to this week. Uh, and a summit. Somehow
2: we ended up at this stage. Where did it come from? <laughs> yeah, how could, how
1: could we have ended up? Who would have thought thunk, that, uh, that we would end up here? Um, with a summit that fell apart early and without any results, um, should Donald Trump have even gone to Hanoi in the first place?
0: You know, this is the question that I asked myself when I first heard they were going to have a second summit. I, I was just like, why? Like, w- what have they come to that these two leaders can sit down and agree upon? And I think it's become pretty clear that even though, look, they did more legwork leg at the working level this time around, there's no question they you know, they had people. But they still hadn't gotten to the point where you want to, a president and a North Korean leader to actually sit together and sign anything. Um, it's like they wanted to hash stuff out at the top. And, but you know—
1: that- is Trump's policy right? right. I the, mean, it is the one-on-one diplomacy. It is the art of the deal. He lays it all out in that book.
0: I mean, you could argue though that it made sense for him to kick off things, you know, with with the summit, the initial summit. But and then let,
2: let let the lower staff like kind of work out some details. But it didn't sound like they were even like sort of brought into the process either.
0: You know? Well. I think I think that's a little hard to tell. based on what Pompeo and others have said, you know, I think they were more involved in the process than perhaps we're giving them credit for, but it- certainly
1: than the first time, but maybe not enough, right? right. I mean, if you're going to sign a deal, let, let's be honest. aren't most of these if there's going to be a deal, the deal's done before, Reagan shows up, right? Right. Or in, in Obama Reagan, shows right. up. Oh, or
0: anytime you hear there's, like, some international summit or something, like, the communiques have already been written before the people even get together. This right. stuff yeah. is typically choreographed in detail. So, so
2: you can avoid the big flame-out, you know, like, sort of situations like we saw unfold in in Hanoi. I mean, you don't want to embarrass anybody. You don't want to embarrass another country. You don't want to embarrass the president. And and there, the this, like, let's wing it sort of way uh, I think we saw the— the limitations of the let's wing it, you know, sort of way of doing things uh, this week.
0: And in a sense, Trump has set a precedent now, though. I mean, if Kim wants a third Mm -hmm. summit, Mm -hmm. what is Trump
2: going to (laughs) say? Right. He'll say, say, where? I'll be there. And and I think that, you know, we're also, we we see the limitations of just how much one-on-one can get with you. I mean, like the, you know, the frequent complaint of, President Obama was that he wasn't accessible, you know, that it was difficult to get to him Mm -hmm. unless you were, you know, even if you were a cabinet level official, I mean, it was was difficult to, you know, sort of penetrate the inner sanctum and, and get his ear. Trump has, you know, taken sort of the opposite approach I mean it almost is this Lyndon Johnson sort of thing where you imagine him calling people from the bathroom or something and and it, it just it to me it speaks to like well how much is a president's time worth I mean you know earlier this week Mark Meadows the Republican from North Carolina who's been sort of one of the lead defenders of the president at least on the oversight committee against Cohen uh, you know he boasted that he had talked to the president 300 times since he took office you wow. know, and and you know the and then mm-hmm. my colleague Niels Lesniewski at, at roll call, had a sit-down with Jim Risch, who's the Foreign Relations Committee chairman, and Risch said, like, I have disagreements with the president all the time, and I talk to him all the time. And it's, and you start to think, like, okay, if, if people like Risch, who nobody outside of Idaho and, like, a few foreign policy people in Washington had heard of, you know, up until, you know, maybe hopefully this week more people have heard of him, uh, and, and Meadows, who is in a small part of the, you know, the Republican apparatus, if they are talking to Trump so much, like, like who else has demands on Trump's time I mean like does he it just it just speaks like does he ever have time some quality time where he like can filter out like all everybody who's like wants to you know meet with him I mean it just seems like that would run you ragged after a while
0: and imagine I mean the the issue of time is important because in a sense he could really be running out of it too Mm -hmm. if he wants to get a North Korea deal or an Iran deal I mean remember he was gonna get a better Iran deal um, or any other you know legislative priorities or anything he wants to get done I mean look Let's assuming he does not get reelected. He could get reelected and then Easily. it's a different thing. Um, but you've got less than two years. You're going to be running for reelection. So the campaign's going to eat up a bunch of your time. Uh, if he is not reelected, he's going to be a lame duck, you know, toward the end as well. And then to top that off, I mean, then there's the investigations, mm. uh, Mueller and others. And so who knows what's going to. Happens so he, you know, he he has he doesn't really have that much time in many right. many way, right. ways, and yet people are you know he's taking everybody's calls. So, right.
1: well, uh, uh, I want to get to the end of the summit. Um, what happened at the very end of the summit? Um, but first, I have I can't resist a little sidebar about Steve Rich or <laughs> right, uh, uh, Jim, Jim, Jim Rich. Right. Jim, yeah, yeah, Jim, Jim Risch, Yes, there, there you go. <laughs> I is Jim uh, <laughs> I was <laughs> I was actually at a black tie dinner about a year ago. <laughs> In Washington and there's this gentleman at the table and somehow uh, Idaho was mentioned or something and and uh, I said I'd only been there once and he said oh it's too bad it's a good state I said oh you're from Idaho he said yeah and I said "Oh, yeah so what are you doing in town what do you do you know (laughs) Oh, I'm a senator. I said, Oh, <laughs> you're a state senator? And I'm a senator. Oh, no. He a said, state No, I'm <laughs> the, I'm the United States Senator. For I'm the senior I was, senator. <laughs> I was so embarrassed. I had no idea. He could have been our waiter. and I been, <laughs> At any rate. Um, so um, He's a very
0: nice man in person. He, he, is. <laughs> he is. He is. <laughs>
1: no,
2: and he invited me to come back to Idaho. <laughs> oh, he's the junior senator. That's right. Uh, is it? Yeah. Oh, the, okay. Yeah. <laughs> he's senator. Who is the senior senator? Uh, so, um, Mike, Mike Crapo
0: he's the banking at, committee chairman. At
1: the very end, the um, the president holds a news conference to talk about what went wrong with the summit, and he is asked about um touchy subject, Otto Warmbier, uh, Warmbier and here is the president's unbelievable response.
5: Have you in Singapore
2: or here confronted Kim Jong-un about Otto Warmbier's death? I have. Asked him to take responses. This so is to listen to the then. whole Why thing here. call him your friend? I
4: have, and I have, and I, we, I have talked about it, and I really don't think it was in his interest at all. I know the Warmbier family very well. I think they're an incredible family. Uh, what happened is horrible. I really believe something very bad happened to him, and I don't think that uh, the top leadership knew about it. I got the prisoners back. I got the hostages back. And Otto was one of the hostages, but Otto came back in a shape that was not even to be talked about. Uh, I find it, I thought it was horrible. Now, the others came back extremely healthy, but Otto came back in a condition that was uh, just, are, are you... just terrible. Those prisons are rough. They're mm. rough places, and bad things happened. Yeah, but I really don't believe that he was uh, he he, I don't believe he knew about it.
5: Did did he say did he tell you that he did not uh, Did Kim Jong-un tell you? He felt badly about it. I did speak to him. He he felt
4: very badly, but he knew the case very well. But he knew it later. And, you know, you got a lot of people, big country, a lot of people. And in those prisons and those camps, you have a lot of people. And some really bad things happened to Otto. Some really, really bad things. Why why are you? But he tells me he tells me that he didn't know about it and i will take him at his word uh, and, yes he tells me and hall
2: he who didn't know about it and i will take him at his word even rick santorum couldn't handle this like on cnn yesterday you know one of the, one of the president's most loyal you know cable network you know, defenders said, this is just gross. The you know excuse I mean? this is that, just, yeah. hey, it's a big country. A lot goes on in that country, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, a uh-huh. couple of thoughts. First of all, nothing goes on in North Korea without Kim Jong-un knowing about it. And part of the theory of Trump's case of meeting with Kim Jong-un over and over is that that's why, because he's the man in charge and nothing happens without him knowing about it. I mean, an American hostage being held by North Koreans, Kim Jong-un, would have known about it and probably Absolutely. was very much surprised of what was what was going on. But there is one other thing, though. I mean, and yes, this is a pattern with Trump. He says he, you know, effectively believes Mohammed bin Salman when it comes to the death of Jamal Khashoggi. He uh, takes Vladimir Putin at his word about, uh, you know, election interfere interference. In right. But you also have to remember this in the North Korean context. I mean, he's trying to get a nuclear deal, and trashing Kim Jong Un is not going to help him necessarily do that. He may be thinking, look, I can't, you know, I don't want to destroy my personal relationship with the guy. At the same time, there's a different way to do this, right? You can simply just say, we discussed it. And I told him our views and we moved on. I you told know, him you the, don't have to say I told him in the I strongest
1: possible terms what we think about what happened to this young America or whatever. Right. But
2: yeah, I mean, our really, you know, you mentioned the, the Saudis. I mean, our, our relationship with the Saudis is not a new thing. You know, like presidents have in, in both parties have been able to, you know, sort of bob and weave around like, you know, widespread. You know human rights violations in the kingdom because they're our ally and because we have to keep them on on the on our side, uh, and there is a way to do this, like you said. But it's and and this is again where Trump just keeps talking and it just makes it worse and worse and worse for him. That he you know he he uh. he not only he, he there's a way to like you said just dismiss it and just be like you know it's a really sensitive topic. You know it's a it's a conversation that we had. It wasn't a very pleasant conversation. And but like the the bigger picture, we can't let it this you know. Like, uh, kind of get away from us. But he just kept saying, like, well, you know, he didn't know anything. It's a big country. Bad things happen in prisons, especially concentration camps. Like, you know, i it's just like, what?
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, I can't imagine how the warm beer family feels today, hearing the uh, person they thought was their ally and, uh, and basically roll over. But you mentioned uh, MBS has come up a couple of times here. So this week, right, business as usual, Jared Kushner's over there meeting with Mohammed bin Salman. As if nothing ever happened to Jamal Khashoggi.
0: Uh, I wonder if Mohammed bin Salman has a security clearance.
1: <laughs> well, Donald Trump would give him one. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, I mean, I mean.
1: Yeah, that whole story in the New York Times this morning, Jason and I talked about in the last half hour, where that he has Kushner has a security clearance only because the president ordered John Kelly and the White House counsel to get him one that the CIA and the, would not give him one on their own.
0: A lot of national security folks are furious about this. Because look, I mean to get a security clearance, like you have to go through so much, you know? I mean, it's 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 a really difficult process. These people <laughs> work so hard for these clearances to get these jobs. And then they see Jared Kushner and it just it's pretty it's pretty amazing. Um and yeah, he's he's a uh, he's but he's in the Middle East. He's trying to how his uh, Middle East peace plan to Arab leaders, trying to get them on board. Uh, I think, you know, from what I can tell, they've not really released details, but the it seems like the gist of what he wants to do is give Israel most of what, he, what it wants politically, but then try to get the Palestinians on board by saying, we will invest in you guys economically. And I, I mean, many experts will tell you that's a real miscalculation because for the Palestinians— Political aspects of it matter just as much as the economic aspects, if not more. And
2: right. speaking of Israel, we have uh, a ah, soon, soon to be indicted uh, Benjamin <laughs> Netanyahu. Uh, like, I mean, talk about uh, <laughs> uh, negotiating with damaged goods. Um, I mean, it's it's it just, just it just keeps getting richer. This the <laughs> this situation.
1: Are, the, the head attorney, I think it's the chief attorney general, general. The, yeah, a- of Israel, yeah. announcing yesterday, uh, telling Netanyahu's attorneys that they are going to, he will be indicted. They have a hearing first where he can present his defense, but it's the intent of the attorney general to indict him on three charges of bribery, fraud, and breach of trust. An investigation that's been going on, uh, the result of an investigation that's been going on for for three years. Um, BB survives?
0: You know, I, I would be willing to bet that he will survive this. Really? Because he seems indestructible he he's been there so long i mean can you imagine Israel without benjamin netanyahu and and this has gone on for so yes it's been like three years like it's just like i'm like really are you really gonna indict because we've been hearing about this forever like i don't know but you
1: know what's interesting is that he said so these charges include like what gifts that he got in return for special favors right uh, cigars.
2: Yeah, this is like just garden no, variety this, graft. Yeah. This isn't collusion with like the Russians or anything. No, like this, 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 is, this is like expensive yeah. cigars, cigars, and, you know.
1: champagne <laughs> parties, favorable news coverage. This is the kind of stuff that allegedly he was trading, you know, influence for influence. Uh, but he's also already in trouble with uh, a lot of American Jewish Jewish supporters too, because with these elections coming up, he has. Allied, allied himself and made a deal with the most racist party, political party in Israel, because some of the others have abandoned him. So he Mm -hmm. needs to, you know, get enough support there with Mayer Kahana's party, whose policy is throw all the Arabs out of the Middle East or out of Israel. I mean, go ahead. This is you know, this is all you. I mean, how can he? How can he do that? It's just contradictory to everything Israel stands for.
0: Well, one thing that's interesting about Israeli politics is it is very vibrant. Uh, there's a lot to choose from. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, This right. is hard to—okay, look, so like—
1: Yeah, there's a KKK in this country, too. Most people don't have a <laughs> a, a, a problem rejecting them. Yeah, there's a lot to choose from, right?
0: Look, yeah, I, Jesus. I, as a foreign affairs reporter, one of the things I find fascinating is how is this going to affect Bibi's relationship with— Organizations like AIPAC mm-hmm. and others. AIPAC
1: condemned it, condemned his alliance with this party, whatever the But if
0: I called. if I if I'm correct, they've all still nonetheless invited Netanyahu to speak at their annual gathering, and so uh, people are kind of upset uh, about uh, that, and they're saying that okay. like, you need Don't to break ties completely. But they did they
1: did say this was totally over the line. This is wrong, wrong, wrong for BB to have any alliance with him. That they've condemned this organization, and now for Bibi to partner with them, they've condemned, and good for AIPAC for that. So. J Street and all the other organizations I think. I, it's stunning.
0: I think it shows what lengths a lot of people will go to to, to, to
1: stay in power, in power. Yeah. yeah and, well, s- and certainly like a, it's tr- an you know. story. so by right. the way, the election is up uh, April 9, which is pretty close right six weeks, if you will. And yesterday, uh, so Netanyahu said, let's hold off on this indictment until after the election <laughs> right of course And the did. judge said, oh no no, no, we're gonna have that right. hearing as fast as we can. And then the people of Israel will say, okay, you've got a guy who's indicted on three counts. Or that's certainly going to have some influence on the election.
0: And frankly, if you're like Jared Kushner and you want this Middle East peace plan and you want Bibi on board, I mean, and Bibi's gone, like, then you're going to have to Start get scratch. to know a new— right. Yeah. Well, and too bad. <laughs> you haven't seen the deal. <laughs>
1: no, I don't mean—all I mean, I'm saying is I—personally, I, my feeling is you don't let— if convicted, right, uh, B.B. stay in there just so Jared Kushner can get his peace deal. I think they are more important things. Right. It,
2: it it also it just I mean, on a on a global scale, when you look at like the sort of overall chaos of a lot of our allies in this area. I mean, I mean you have you have Israel in in this like crazy kind of situation of Brexit also going on? I mean, like this is like this is not a good springtime for for like much mature democracies. I mean, we're you know we're kind of flailing a little bit um, on and, many fronts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the president has said
1: again that um, we've talked about this last time you we were in. ISIS is done, we've wiped <laughs> them out. So bring on our troops, some, but we'll leave four hundred there now, or kind of so to keep we'll, Lindsey Graham happy. Yeah, what is going on in Syria?
2: I
0: think I said this last time I was here. I still don't know what the Trump administration's Syria policy is. I still don't know the plan. And I think there's they, a
2: few people in the Pentagon who share your. <laughs> I know, I know your, your, there are yeah.
0: because they're yeah. like I. I ask them and they're like, do we don't know?" Um, yeah. and I'm like, "Well, what do you do all day over there?" But, but I mean. It's it's like he says their ISIS is defeated. That's highly questionable. Maybe look, maybe they're defeated on the ground, but there's still plenty of ISIS fighters around and they can pretty easily regroup if you don't, if you leave a vacuum. And and again, what's really, look, I think it's really important to remember this. These are not American troops who are, you know, out there like infantry guys, like Mm -hmm. lower level, I mean, these are American troops who basically, they're like the skeleton of the whole operation. They hold everything together. Yeah. Right? They're the ones who are organizing, coordinating.
1: They're the brain power.
0: And so when you pull them out, right. the local militia, the, the local fighters, et cetera, it's just all, it's its tough.
1: Uh, not much time left. We have a new ambassador to the UN nominated. N- not nominated, yet. right? Not, no? not even oh. officially nominated yet. Oh, okay. No. The person who's talked about.
0: Right, she's a choice. Kelly Knight Craft. Uh, she is currently our U.S. ambassador to Canada, um, and she. No
2: relation to Bob Kraft, the New England Patriots. No, no. <laughs> different spelling. Actually, yes. <laughs> Let's hope not. <laughs> um,